0: Hello, and welcome to episode 123 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. We're here today with Don Robertson, former Delegate of District 16 of Montgomery County, Maryland, which includes Kensington, Wheaton, Chevy Chase, and Silver Spring. He's the former Chair of the Montgomery County Delegation to the Maryland General Assembly and served in office from 1971 to 1989. He's also the former Majority Leader and Speaker Pro Tempore. He's currently an attorney with the Bethesda Law Firm. Don, how are you doing today?
1: I'm fine, thanks, Jordan. I'm glad to be here with you. You said District 16... And it was District
0: 18. District 18. So what I'd Mm -hmm. um, like to ask you first is, what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why?
1: Well, I I don't know that it would be rather presumptuous to say that I advanced the public interest. I I enjoyed and was stimulated by being a public servant. I I think being in the legislature, um, I ran because I, I thought that we faced a lot of problems, and that I wanted to try to make a contribution and try to, to attempt to solve them.
0: What are some of the problems that first got you involved in the citizen board and civic activism that led to you running for office?
1: Well, actually, um, I was elected to the citizens' committee of uh, the the, the uh, citizens' committee of the village of Chevy Chase, Section Three, way back in 1968, and. One of the uh, the biggest problem that uh, that we faced at that time uh, was a state highway administration problem as a matter of fact, which I later faced as a delegate from Montgomery county. yes yeah, so but but more broadly speaking, i ran for I ran for office uh, for the House of Delegates uh, for the reason I indicated that I wanted to try to make a contribution.
0: But you saw some big problems. You said with traffic was one of the main. Well, that
1: was that was uh, actually I didn't foresee that. I that was just one of the problems that we faced on the village uh, on the Citizens Committee of Chevy Chase. But when we when I ran for the House of Delegates, delegates, of course, that was uh, 1970, and the and the country was still in the uh, uh, and we still are, but we were then. Fifteen years into the civil rights movement, uh, we were then in the middle of the Vietnam War. There was a lot of of discord in the country, in the in the um, uh, in the area. Uh, I felt that um, those were major problems. The environment was beginning to be a, something that people focused on. There were a wide range of problems that uh, that uh, faced the world at that time. Some of them still exist. Um, uh, and certainly there were far more than I mentioned just now. But um, in any event, I felt that um, that I could probably, or at least I wanted to try to make a contribution to try to solve them.
0: So you mentioned some of the issues like Vietnam, which is a federal issue. So as a delegate, there wouldn't have been much you could have done on that front without running for Congress or running or, or, or working on a campaign for a congressman's staff. You know that issue would have been more difficult to address. But the environment um, and traffic congestion and development were issues that you may have been able to address as a delegate. What were some of the uh, top agenda items and, and that you began to execute and were successful at executing or frustrated in executing while you were in the state legislature?
1: Well, that, there's a whole range of them, and they, they've changed over, the, over a period of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, let me just say that you're quite right about the... Uh, Vietnam War being a uh, federal issue. Although we did a, a year or two into my first term, we, there was a resolution in the House of Delegates, um, probably in the Senate too, uh, uh, expressing opposition to the Vietnamese, uh, Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So it probably is not something the legislature should have dealt with, uh, but it, uh, just as an aside, it did, did come before us. But the the, the broader point that I was making is that, that at the time that I ran in, in 1970, there was a lot of discord uh, on a variety of issues. I felt that people were not listening to each other as well as they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that uh, that I could... Uh, uh, make some contribution to trying to solve some of the prob- minor problems that, uh, I shouldn't say minor, but problems of lesser significance than, than the federal government faces um, uh, that uh, the General Assembly encounters. And I, I was involved over the course of the time that I was there uh, in a variety of issues. Um, I spent more time on election law, ethics um Legislation, um, but uh, every now and then I would um, become involved in as a working on a bill on an entirely different subject like the public service commission, uh, that that kind of thing. But I spent I I spent a lot of almost all of my time in the legislature uh, from the very beginning uh, with some administrative responsibility. So I spent more time. Organizing and dealing with process and procedure than I did on sponsoring bills myself. So, uh, I was a member of a variety of committees, and um, I think one of the most important things that a legislator does is play an active role on committees, and I did that. And we were reacting to it on various committees. We were a, reacting to uh, many different issues.
0: So you' let's get a little bit more specific so you said that you were working on administrative issues which but you also ran for office in order to ameliorate the discord that was present uh, it was was it was a discord present in the Montgomery County delegation in particular
1: uh, no I, I'm just talking about
0: so nationally it, societal level at, in society there was there was a
1: lot of uh, there were a lot of issues. And I felt that uh, uh, that people were not listening. One thing that I felt was that people were not listening to each other as well as they should. And if, if people listen to each other a little better and yeah. recognize the other person's point of view, that some progress might be made to solving the problems.
0: So, So it sounds like a lot of what you were doing was really listening that people weren't listening to each other so you went to office to begin listening to those whose voices were outshouted
1: I went to uh, I, as I say I went, I went with the idea of making some kind of contribution I I uh, really needed to learn how I could make that contribution I, one thing I did feel was and I said in the very beginning that people weren't listening to each other but uh, but I had a rather indistinct idea of uh, how I could make a contribution at the state level. Uh, it turns out that I became very interested in a number, number of issues and uh, uh, devoted my my time and efforts to, the, to them when I was there.
0: Let's dive into those specific, specific issues.
1: Well, I mentioned I spent a lot of time in election law, ethics uh, legislation.
0: How did you reform election law and ethics legislation?
1: Well, you use the word reform. I am not sure that I would. Uh, that I think is a uh, 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 a word that not everybody would agree with. I, but I, I, I worked on on legislation that I uh, election legislation that I felt would. Um, Would improve the the uh, election administration's process in in uh, the state of Maryland Um, uh, with respect to ethics. um, uh, There, the laws were much further, uh, much less developed than they were in election law Um, in 1979, largely because. Ben Cardin was then Speaker, had become the Speaker of the House and w- really wanted to move forward on on ethics legislation. we have been working on that for several years. Mm-hmm. It, uh, there'd been a lot of emphasis on that. But
0: and for our listeners who don't know, Ben Cardin, who uh, Don Robertson just referred to, is now the United States Senator, senior Senator representing the state of Maryland.
1: That's correct. But at that time, he was a delegate from Baltimore City and the Speaker of he became the Speaker of the House in 1979, and he um, um, asked Helen Koss, who was an, was another delegate from District 18, uh, and who was chairman of the Constitutional and Administrative Law Committee, and me to pull together a lot of different proposals that had been made over recent years to um, in a um, in an ethics. Bill and ultimately um, that bill that we did and that and that bill, as it was amended by the committees and by the House and the Senate, became the Maryland Public Ethics Law of nineteen
0: seventy nine. So, does that prohibit lobbyists from giving uh, money or making gifts or, or or bringing legislators out to dinner?
1: Well, that uh, that became no in. The, the you the way you stated it covers too much. Uh, the ethics law covers conflicts of interest, financial disclosure.
0: Um, so, if somebody makes a contribution to a politician, that politician has to report it to the state board of elections. W-
1: yes, but there'd already been a reporting process. Um, uh, we pulled a, uh, a lot of things together and created the the uh, state ethics commission, hmm. uh, at uh, which didn't exist prior to that time of that of that uh, bill uh, that is now the law. But then there were further developments in that process and Ben and I, Ben Cardin and I both played a role after we left the legislature. Um, in, and I could be off by a year or two, but in roughly 1978 um, I'm sorry, 1998 uh, uh, Senator Card- Cardin had been gone from the legislature for 12 years, but he was asked to chair a committee that would uh, uh, look at proposals to revise that ethics law that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. He did so, but he left out, he didn't leave, he left for future consideration Mm -hmm. uh, the lobbying part of that bill. And the following year, I was asked to chair a task force that looked at the lobbying Aspect of that bill to uh, to make what suggestions we uh, a task force could make as to cha- uh, changing the ethics law to deal more specifically with with lobbyists.
0: Why would you say that's important? Why is it important that lobbyists shouldn't be able to contribute too much money to politicians?
1: Well, let me say let me say first that I think lobbyists play a very important role because they they help to focus the issues before the legislature. They sometimes bring information to the attention of legislators that they don't have. Uh, the problem, in my opinion, arises when legislators become uh, too amenable to what lobbyists have to say. And uh, I think one thing that may contribute to that is, is uh, uh, undue... Contributions by lobbyists to legislators and to their campaigns, and while I, can, I actually can't remember the specific all the specifics at this point, we uh, the task force that I chaired uh, did um, impose some new restrictions on contributions by lobbyists to legislators. So, uh, I, but I should also say that the task force that Senator Cardin shared a year before on other aspects of the public ethics law also uh, improved that law so that today it's a, it's a considerably different law or considerably better law than it was originally when it was passed.
0: Do you have any fun stories of your time working together with Ben Cardin or anybody else from the legislature?
1: Well, I, I, it was a very stimulating and satisfying experience. I... I uh, I don't know that this is a time to go into into stories, but it it, it
0: uh, I think our listeners it, might appreciate. Well, that. no, I don't.
1: I I don't, I don't know that I can think of a specific story that uh, uh, that would be of of interest. But it, so, it, it was working closely with with Senator Cardin, who was then the Speaker, and the committee chairman at the time was a very. Um, interesting and satisfying experience
0: now you represented montgomery county at that time and yet the speaker ben cardin represented baltimore city Mm -hmm. obviously one would or one would infer that a speaker from baltimore city would want to bring home the bacon to baltimore city yet you seem to have had a very great working relationship with senator then speaker ben cardin can you talk a little bit about how you were able to help your constituency montgomery county in light of the fact that the speaker was from baltimore city
1: well, one of one of the characteristics, in my opinion, that made Ben Cardin a very successful speaker, is that he operated by consensus. Now, let me emphasize also that the General Assembly was much different today than I understand it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it was not nearly as partisan as it is today. The um, uh, the Republicans were not as well represented. We uh, most issues were, desi- were decided on philosophical grounds, not on partisan grounds, which made quite a big difference. But it was it was Ben's forte to try to do things by consensus. Um, uh, whether some, a delegate came from Western Maryland or the Eastern Shore or Montgomery County or Prince George's County, mm-hmm. he tried in whatever he was doing to recognize the needs of, of interests of that, dele- of that member and of the jurisdiction that that member represented.
0: So let's talk about leadership. What It sounds like, in your view, uh, then-Speaker Cardin demonstrated a great deal of leadership. Can you talk a little bit about what leadership means to you, particularly within the legislative setting, but perhaps more broadly in in a, in a civic uh, engagement kind of way? Leadership as you embodied it in Montgomery County.
1: Well, I, I I don't know. I I I think you have to you lead by example, and you, uh, I'm not sure that I I can really uh, uh, define very well how I. Uh, the characteristics that that made made me a leader or a go, uh, either good or bad um,
0: were you a leader by definition because you were elected or does leader require some kind of action does it reflect upon one man's character uh,
1: well I think it depends what the, it depends what the what the position is um, um, in the in Montgomery County, uh, I, w- I was elected chairman of the delegation by my colleagues in the delegation, but
0: so that's a leadership position.
1: Uh, that's a leadership position, but uh, uh, my that I think that resulted in large part because I was a uh, the vice chairman of the delegation, which which and I think I was probably only only the vice chairman of the delegation in my first year, which mm-hmm. was strange because because I was recommended by, uh, at least my understanding is, that that um, uh, other people rec- recommended me, uh, non-members of the delegation recommended me to the people who were running the delegation at the time. And then when I, I had served for vice chairman as a year, the chairman then uh, had to resign because he became chairman of a committee. And um, then it was a question of being elected by my colleagues. In the House of Delegates, uh, the speaker really is the person who, who um, chooses both the committee chair, majority leader, and uh, and the floor leaders, and the and the uh, committee chairman. Now, the floor leader has to, the majority leader. I mean, there has to be read right across the desk, and theoretically, the members can vote on that. But really, the the speaker selects who he wants to have be his voice in the on the floor of the. General Assembly.
0: Let's pivot this conversation a little bit to your legal career. You have spent decades upon decades as an attorney in Bethesda, Maryland. Have you done anything to advance the public interest in terms of pro bono work or work that you really believe in?
1: Well, first place, I've only been in Bethesda the last couple of years. I was uh, with, uh, my office was, was in downtown Washington for most of the time that I've practiced law. Um, in terms of my practice itself, I would say um, I, do, I don't think much. there is much connection with the public interest except that uh, I have uh, provided a lot of service to clients who were not able to afford uh, uh, full payment for the services. Why but did it, you do that? Well, it was a question of I, recog- I recognize the clients... Uh, uh, var- variety of reasons, but I, I rec- There were clients who, for the most part, came to me, and uh, I recognized that they were not able to pay, to pay the the um, full amount before they even came. But, to your but door. before, but, no, that in the early years, before I was a member of the General Assembly, I was appointed to a number of or uh, several criminal cases. In downtown Washington, so in that case, in that situation, I was actually appointed by the court. But in other cases, it was cli- in other situations, it was my clients mm-hmm. who uh, I considered not able to pay the the full amount of a private lawyer. But in addition to that, um, you know, I have from time to time uh, served on a variety of committees that that had nothing to do with my legal practice. They were going on at the same time. Um, but I served on them uh, in order to try to create a better result on whatever subject
0: it was that they were that the
1: committee was working on.
0: So there was a time uh, within the last few years when the Montgomery County Democratic Central Committee awarded you, Don, a lifetime achievement award. Why did they do that?
1: Well, actually. I think that award was awarded right after I left the General Assembly. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I received another award, and I think that was probably more because of of uh, age and uh, somebody. They the um, they needed to find somebody to uh, some recipient for the award. I, that one was called Democrat of the Year or something like that. Well. I appreciated that, but I don't think I had done any more in that year than I had done in a lot of previous years.
0: Uh, Which might mean only that each year you held a very high bar. Uh, no,
1: I, I really don't think so. I, I uh, in the years since I've left the legislature, I have served on a, on uh, several committees, at the ones I just, some that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. but I have not been very active in it in the Democratic uh, organization of Montgomery County.
0: Well, uh, as we approach the end of the podcast, I'd like to ask you to reflect upon uh, your motivations for public service, but now that you have uh, led very many years in the public eye, uh, reflect upon a legacy that your career in public service has left, has created. What is the legacy of Don Robertson?
1: Well, I- I don't think that uh, I think you probably overstated. Uh, I don't I don't think that there is any real legacy. But I, um, to the extent there is one, I think that probably it is of uh, someone who was elected uh, and who applied himself or herself uh, to the job and um, accomplished a limited amount as a result of that.
0: And that has been Don Robertson, former delegate of District 18, a former chair of the Montgomery County Delegation, the former majority leader, and a former speaker pro tem of the Maryland House of Delegates, uh, currently an attorney in Bethesda, formerly an attorney in Washington, D.C., who speaks with great humility, precision, and deliberation about his lifetime of service. He does not... Uh, expect laurels to be thrust upon his head. Don is a man who saw a few problems in his own way, according to his words, tried to make a difference by solving those problems in the way that he could and within the context of of many other individuals' efforts and larger the efforts of larger organizations, he was able to contribute his share. Uh, for Don, public service has, been a portion but not an all-consuming identity in his life Uh, there are many other aspects to Don's life and and this aspect of public service though a common thread throughout his life is not necessarily the strongest defining feature it is one feature that has given him some meaning but with the typical humility that Don greets this sort of conversation uh, his legacy is is much less grandiose than, um, than, than, than uh, might otherwise be the case. So, Don, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Uh, Jordan, thank you for having me.
0: And this has been Episode 123 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. Remember to subscribe at publicinterestpodcast.com, listen on iTunes or in the podcast app on Apple products. Should you wish to speak to Don, you can leave a voicemail at the phone number listed in the contact us tab of the website. Thank you so much for joining us and we will talk to you next time.